0: Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle.
1: Welcome to another exciting edition of Training Unleashed. Today, I think we're going to have an amazing episode. I've got a gentleman with me, his name's Ed Brixie, and I'm not the greatest, so I get your name right. Brixey, yes, <laughs> yeah, excellent, excellent, and he is the founder of a company called Blue Cord Management. But here's what you need to know: this is his mission in life. His mission is to transform good managers into visionary leaders, and, and that is an inspiring vision. And that's what we're really going to be talking about in here: is how do you create leaders? How do you build leadership? And you know, and, and such. So, and I'm going to start off with a really simple question for you. What is so leadership?
2: My, fav, my all-time favorite definition of leadership is from Warren Bennis, who's another military man who's gone into leadership development and studies. And he simply said that leadership is the capacity to turn vision into reality. And that's what a leader does. They take the big idea, they bring the group of people together, and they facilitate that mission being accomplished. You know, it, it's interesting you say that. And I love the
1: definition very much. But actually what I find in my work is a huge lack of not leaders per se, although definitely a leadership gap, but actually a lap of, lack of the vision. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that there is like literally no vision, you know, and, and I, I interview people, I interview their employees, I interview customers, and I always ask, you know, what in your own words is the vision of this company
2: And I go, ah, ah, (laughs) ah. Exactly. It's when you look at an organization, what is that organization there to accomplish? And it's not we provide the greatest customer service. That's, of course you do. What is truly the meaning behind their product or service and what's the why to it? And then more than that is the people within the organization is it becomes a relative thing. It becomes the ability for them to say, this is my piece of making this happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, very, very important.
2: So you use this term, transforming
1: a good manager into a visionary leader. So let's let's talk about who is a good manager? What is a good manager?
2: A good manager, management is, I like to view management as being able to keep the trains running on time. It's be having the ability to, put the right people in the right jobs, understand the tasks. And then it's maintenance. It's resource allocation. It's time management. It's prioritization of, of tasks, of making sure they have the right tools. It's all the nitty gritty side to just making sure that the job gets done. Lots of good managers out there. Certainly.
1: Ask the simple question. How do you turn them into visionary leaders?
2: You give them the, the skills and the abilities to inspire the people around them where it's no longer just a job, but it's something that has meaning. It's if you show up and you do your nine to five, you get your paycheck every two weeks. Great. Okay. That works for some people. But if you truly want to reach the next level in your business and you want to grow and you want to be able to deal with the market disruptions, or you want to introduce new products or break into new areas, it requires a certain mindset It requires a certain attitude and that's much more than people simply showing up to work so you use a term which is you is sort of
1: like you start with a core mm-hmm. and you build out so maybe if you
2: could talk a little bit about that certainly so it's with any organization, you're going to have all sorts of people and personalities and everything. And there's always that catalyst. There's always that group of people that act as they're sort of, how would I say? They're the ones who get things going. They're the, the orchestrators behind what's next. And so it's being able to see a little bit of that higher purpose. It's being able to have that little bit higher level of dedication And you're never going to get that from 100% of your people, but as long as you have that core group that is active, knows how to manage it, and knows how to influence the people around them, then all of a sudden you start to see that alignment taking place and that next stage growth, that just higher scalability, profitability, whatever it is that you're shooting for, that happens.
1: So you're starting, you're sort of what you're doing. Uh, I use a term in which, you know, because my business is a little different, but I always say, who are the influencers? Mm-hmm. Who are the people really well respected? And because if you're looking at change, winning those people is the the catalyst that kind of gets the snowball effect.
2: Absolutely. So is that sort of what you're you're talking about mm-hmm. here? No, certainly. It's it's having these influencers, the central personalities within the business. And oftentimes it's not always the per- people at the top of the organization. It's you see the most sway from the people who actually execute on task. And it's the people who bring that idea or bring that new strategy and can make it happen within the organization, within all of the employees, within everybody and band together to create it.
1: Yeah. So you now have discovered the core. Mm-hmm. How do you go, where do you go from there?
2: It's training, it's awareness, it's coaching, it's providing, it's really boils down to culture and environment. And every company loves to say that they're innovative, that they try to be cutting edge. But to truly do that is having the steps in place in order to do that. Innovation in and of itself is risky. You're going to have people on your teams trying different ideas and trying things out. And more times than not, they're going to come up short or they're going to So can you create that sort of environment where that failure is not viewed as a failure, but it's a learning experience. We're checking things off the block. We're finding new ways to do things. And so that requires a certain executive mindset. It requires a certain executive level of support versus where some people are with organizations I've worked with are absolutely terrified to talk to their bosses or present new ideas or to do deeper dives into their data that they're presenting and just, Hey, here's my report that they hand in every other week. And it has to go very far beyond that. So how do you support that? How do you cultivate it? And very early on, even in the creation of a company, how do you build that culture? in so that's something that lives on versus something that has to be created and changed later. You know, it's interesting, just last night,
1: you know, it's always happenstance, I was watching a a TV show and this boss is saying to an underling who's coming in with a recommendation, if you the boss says, If you think I'm doing something wrong, do me a favor and keep it to yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, like
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Why why would you do that? I mean, it's something that as as a boss, you have to realize that our perspectives for from our roles and from our jobs are They're all completely different. And even though we might be adjacent to each other as peers or we might be above each other as um, supervisors, we're viewing a problem slightly differently. So somebody who might be a little closer to the issue or somebody who has a different vantage point, even though they're only off by a few degrees, is going to make a world of difference with coming up with a solution. You know, I I have a saying, which is
1: beware of high-level dumb. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And you know, senior executives at companies can insulate themselves from the from from the reality. So it's, it's the,
2: almost a natural process where you see that stratification create, and if you let that go on, then you just turn it into an us versus them. And the people on the bottom are looking up upstairs and going, geez, what the good idea fairy think of now," and the people upstairs are looking down, going, "Why can't they execute?" Yeah, and. He, you know, one of the things I know you talk about frontline leadership and you
1: talk about this concept of, you know, operate is one, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. But a lot of companies, I, I use the term operate in factions. I, I must say I like what you call it better, which is they uh, operate in silos is what I meant to mm-hmm. say. You to use the word, they operate as warring factions, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which I, is much more uh, powerful than they operate in silos. <laughs> um, but so that's a big change. And a lot of people listening to the show, you know, training is involved not just in the skill of doing what the company needs to produce, you know, and, and execute, but training has a lot to do with culture. Mm -hmm. And most training departments are personal development and learning, you know, how to operate within how the company thinks is important. So how do you, how do you help companies change a culture that dramatically from warring factions to acting as a team?
2: It's absolutely one step at a time. Changing culture is it's taken them X amount of years and growth and development to get to that point. There's no silver bullet to say, this is how we're going to fix it. So it's a matter of introducing new ideas, then taking the time to cultivate them, adjust as needed. And it turns into a six-month, 18-month process at least because it, you have to develop new ideas. You have to develop new habits. You have to bridge communications gaps. And it can't be the type of environment where you come in, you give a gee seminar, people feel great, they're pumped up. And then three weeks later, when the first monkey wrench gets thrown back at them, they fall back on their old habits. So how can you be there to help coach people through that? It's an entire different level of involvement. So
1: I I love everything you're saying. One of the things I really try to do on the show is give people illustrated examples that can understand. So without naming the company, could you share like a case study of, hey, this is what I found?
2: this is what we did, and this is sort of what happened? Okay, certainly. No, um, great example I've seen of that was was working with a company here in the Boston area, and it's a very disparate company. So they have their headquarters in one area of town, and then they have several sites and locations about. And the location managers have some degree of autonomy, but it depends on the location manager and how they've crafted that. And so it was a training program for these location managers and it was just bringing them together. And all of a sudden they had the opportunity where a manager on this side of town can talk to a manager on this side of the town. And then suddenly they realized, wow, this best practice from there really applies into me. This best practice from me really applies into them. They had this problem. I had this solution. And suddenly there was just knowledge sharing about them and it wasn't so Siloed across these different organizations. They didn't just act purely autonomously. They realized, you know, we all have very similar jobs. We handle different, slightly different demographics. But what are some of the lessons that we can learn from each other? Because we all have incredibly similar problems. And if we're reinventing the wheel every time one of these problems comes up, it's just slowing us all down. I like it. Um,
1: you know, what I'm hearing you're saying is that just sometimes the simplest step. Mm-hmm. having them meet and talk and getting to know each other and exactly it's something
2: shit it's it's the little things that have big impact like i said there's no one side one shoe fits all ultimate solution to any of these problems but if you find these little steps that you can take over time that aggregates into a much more complete much more effective answer to a complex problem
0: We're so glad you're listening to this episode of Training Unleashed, brought to you by Tortal Training. The difference between Tortal Training and other online training companies is we're primarily a training company with technology, rather than a technology company that does training. Want to find out more? Just go to Tortal.net. That's T-O-R-T-A-L, Tortle.net.
1: I think I would be remiss. Mm Because I am liking what you are hearing is you are a serious veteran. Three mm-hmm. times you've gone overseas. Um, first off, thank you for your service. Thank you, and, I appreciate that. <laughs> you no, know, I think uh, veterans are underappreciated in this country, um, and that uh, you know what you do uh, is is amazing. Can you kind of share what you learned? from the military that you're applying
2: to your life today? Oh, that's that's an entire book right there, but it's... We don't need the book, we need no, like no. A five yeah. minute version. No, <laughs> the five minute brief and the synopsis is, the time I spent in the military, the leaders that I had, and the leadership that I experienced is what's inspired me into the role that I have today. And it's, you look at taking a group of 18, 19 year old soldiers, training them on tasks and their expectations, then bringing them into the most challenging, dynamic, dangerous environments that are out there and successfully completing missions that are anywhere but clear cut. And how do you take people from such a disparate background and have such a collaborative culture is, I think that's the dream of every business. It's the dream of being able to say we operate in these crazy markets. We see disruption every day. How do we bring our people together so that we can solve these complex problems in working with our clients and customers? So it's the methodologies are going to be much different. That's There's no push-ups in business. And so that old-school NCO mentality sort of goes out the door, but the concepts behind it of communication, of strong collaboration, of learning on the go, of being able to adapt and improvise, and giving low-level leaders good decision-making authority and powers to accomplish what they need to do, so that the whole is much more successful, absolutely applies. You know, it, it's interesting, and I just had
1: this thought. I'm sure you have not, but there's a whole new level of leadership when you're asking people literally to do something that will risk their lives. So mm-hmm. one thing you know, you know, I, I have a training company. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, hey, you know, I I need everyone to work a little later. We got this deadline, you know? <laughs> and yeah, they do it, and, and and they seem you know willing to do it and happy to do it, and and I go, oh, I'm a great leader because I inspired them to <laughs> help us out But the the comparison between the two is uh there. There is there is not. There is not.
2: No, there's no comparison between the life on the line, but it's one of those, when you look at your, when you're a leader in business and you have employees and it's people's careers, it's people's livelihoods, it's their abilities to go home and pay their mortgages and raise their families. And so there are very high stakes because if you fail as a business leader, what happens to your employees? Where do they go? Do they find themselves back in that job search? Are they in the unemployment line? And we don't want to see that. We want to see our people learn and grow and succeed in their careers and even, you know, have that ability to say, you know what? There's really no growth left for you here, but I do know of some future opportunities that would be really good for you. And to be able to take that step back and help them progress like that is invaluable. Yeah. You ever heard the term decimate?
1: Decimate. No, I don't believe so. (laughs) So people will say that this was decimated. Mm-hmm. All the time, but the actual word decimate comes from a French uh, procedure which in during war the soldiers that would not advance mm-hmm. they would take and shoot one in ten so to decimate death actually mm-hmm. to to reduce by ten percent mm-hmm. a lot of people use it to like imply everything is destroyed. Yeah. So that, that's how they motivated their soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> to, <laughs> to, can't do that anymore. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Those films don't work. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: no, and it's that hard. You can't scare people into action. And yeah. even in the military where you have legal authority over your soldiers and UCMJ can be applied if they disobey orders, if you're relying on that to get people motivated to follow you, you're doing it all wrong. And it's about caring, it's about compassion, it's about finding ways to growth, it's about discovering that every single person has their own carrot at the end of the stick, and how can I find the carrot that works best for them? Yeah. You know, it was interesting, during the recession in 2008,
1: lots of companies were, for lack of a better term, abusing employees, Mm -hmm. because unemployment was so bad that no one would risk losing a job. Yeah um and you know i can't remember the statistics but it was like 70 percent or so 67 people mm-hmm. wanted a new job because yes this culture and then um the mobility and
2: change of jobs since the economy gets better has now been amazing mm-hmm. people- oh it's incredible the job market now is incredibly competitive and if you. Don't offer somebody exactly what they want or you're not in line with their values. It's very easy for people to jump ship now. Yeah. So we don't have a lot of time, but I want to talk about one
1: last insight that you said that kind of skipped by. Mm -hmm. I think it's important. And that is how to empower mid level managers. So what I find is there's very little definition of what authority a mid-level manager has. Yes. <laughs> uh, and and uh, you know, I'll just share a, a quick, funny story. But when I started to work, I had very good experience. I worked for, I was a fifth employee at a company that grew to 10 billion. So mm-hmm. great experience yes. and, and such. But when I first started the company, I submitted a budget to my boss. And he said, oh, we're a small company. We don't need a budget. I don't require you to have a budget. And I go, you don't understand the budget isn't for you. He says, what do you mean? Mm. He said, the budget's for me. Because once you approve my budget, then I can spend the money I'll have to come running to you every time. Yes. <laughs> um, and he goes, oh, <laughs> never thought about it that way. But anyhow, um, how do companies empower and give clarity to middle managers in terms of what's expected of them?
2: That's, that it, that's the golden question there because it's middle managers and organization, they are – it's sometimes the worst job to have. And because you're balancing the needs of your teams, the needs of your employees versus the expectations from higher. And it's, it's allowing good communications. It's pushing down clear expectations. It's allowing for them to take care of their people. And it's crafting a culture that gives them the room to do what they have to do. It's allowing them to make their own decisions, giving them ownership over their piece of the pie and their piece of the organization, where they can say, "This is your budget. Spend it as you need to spend it, and make sh- just make sure if you go over, let us know, so that if we have to approve additional funds, and we can see what we can do." Or if you're under, don't necessarily say it's a uh, one-time. You know, if you didn't spend it, you're not getting it next year. Yeah. So, but because there's always mitigating circumstances. But it's giving them the, the room to operate the way they need to operate to see that their teams are successful and allowing them to use their expertise to make that happen. And if that expertise is lacking, have, have whatever programs you need in order to give them that, the insights, the knowledge, and the ideas to allow for better performance.
1: Cool. So um, I know you have an offer for everyone and, of course, mm-hmm. we've got your tip your one big tip coming after the output. So, uh, tell us, tell us how people can learn more about what you do and, and have access to you.
2: So best way to learn about blue cord management is on our website. And I highly recommend people go and check out leadership.bluecord, dot com slash training for a synopsis of the training program that we offer, which is revolving around the different levels of leaders you're going to find in an organization, from people stepping into new leadership roles who've never had that experience and giving them the exposure to an entire new skill set, to helping existing leaders craft that for some of their people and their teams, and also as far as for the executives of an organization on how to craft that more collaborative culture and how to start breaking down a lot of those barriers within their organizations. So for clarity for our listeners, I want to be clear. If they go to the
1: website, I'm going to have you repeat the URL. Most people get a synopsis and the URL will be a synopsis, but there are some people that listen to this on iTunes and things like that, where that's not so easy. To mm-hmm. do. Yes. But before I do that, I just want to be clear. If people go there, they're going to look. Absolutely. It's not. It's not like go there only if you want to hire uh, and no. go there because there's some extra tools if you
2: like what he's had to say that you would like you'd like mm-hmm. to learn about. Exactly. And it's learning some of the gaps that you might be having and filling in some of those questions like what if. And so the URL one more time slowly is M-G-M-T dot com slash training.
1: Okay. So hopefully everyone got that, and just a reminder, you can hit the rewind button. Uh,
2: and you've written a book too, correct? I have, yes. You want a quick so, talk about your book? Certainly. Uh, my first book is now available on Amazon. It's called Daily Leadership Reflections, a guided journal for new leaders, and it takes essentially a lot of the key concepts out of our level one training program and has a guided journal for somebody as they step into a new leadership position here are 30 short exercises you can do on a daily basis to begin focusing on some of these new ideas, such as team building, how more effectively communicating with your people, defining your role within the organization and understanding all the different pieces that affect that role. You know, it's interesting. I don't think I've ever heard of a person that's reading a book quite like
1: that. (laughs) Thank you. No, no, seriously. Because, you know, when you're new to a role, and you have a new position, you kind of like okay, what do I do? And to have something that says, "Hey, here are the things you should be thinking about." Here, you mm-hmm. know, here's how you, you know, develop relationships with whatever it is is in your book. I would see very valuable, And I would think people here that are in training departments and 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 you know, with people getting promoted all the time, your book would be very valuable. No, okay, certainly. thank I'm you. So, Please <laughs> for your book, but if you people are listeners to the show they will know that I rarely do that. So (laughs) (laughs) thank you, Evan. Appreciate that. (laughs) Okay. So uh, we're now at the point for your, what if you had one tip to
2: share, what would that one tip be? Communicate it's and go much deeper than just the surface level. You have to understand not only what you're talking about, but why this is important and understanding how does this assist us or, or hinder us in accomplishing the mission that we've set forth. And that's for leaders who want to craft a more robust vision for their organization, understand what exactly what they're bringing to their customers, to leaders within smaller roles and understanding what their piece of accomplishing the organization's larger role is and how they can play a better part of their team in accomplishing that. Well, that is, that is very good advice. Well,
1: one other thing you should know about ADD is Ed actually has his own podcast, and it's Leadership Update Brief. Uh, And you can find it on the C-Suite Network, C-Suite Radio, actually, is where you'll find it. Uh, And he's got already 20-so episodes on leadership. And uh, if you want to learn more about leadership and you like what Ed has to say, I highly recommend you check it out. Uh, Ed, I want to thank you for being on the show. I want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time to listen.
2: Everybody have a great day. Thank you so much, Evan. Appreciate being on.
0: This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way you'll never miss an episode and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed.